Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. Gentlemen, my only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, real man. Love is... is love. Too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. I love you. I, I, I love you. I did as you saw. Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight, Best Picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of the next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and today we have Mr. Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. And Mr. Will Mavity. Hi, guys. Gentlemen, it has been uh, a very productive week. Uh, The box office this weekend saw the release of a lot of new movies. We had Kingsman, we had Victorian Abdul, we had Stronger. I had the chance to see Battle of the Sexes, um, which opened up in limited release. Uh, So did I. uh, Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. And? Um, Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I, I didn't think it was extraordinary. But it's, it's like a good solid 7.5, well acted, I like, the colors are great. You know, that, you have the La La Land team of costume designers, production designers, and Linus Sandgren uh, coming back together for this one, it's beautiful to look at. You know, it's it's not what I would call subtle, I guess it's not intended to be, but it, you know, it's, it's a pretty broad film. It was the 70s. Yeah, it, it's got, it's got a timely message, um... Tonally, it doesn't always work, and it goes on a little bit long, but yeah, I liked it. I I think it'll be a good crowd pleaser. Well, that's really good. I don't want to get into my own thoughts on the movie right here, right now, because that will be our main review this weekend, as well as a little interview that we have planned up with somebody associated with the film, so stay stay tuned for that one, everyone. Um, I'll tell you what I did get to see, though. I did get to see the Florida Project this week. Mm, I want to see that so badly. It was my first NYFF screening, and I'll be honest, I didn't like it as much as a lot of other people did, but I, I still liked it. I still liked it. I'm just not in the love it camp is really what it comes down to. And part of that is because these characters are so annoying. They are so, 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 so terrible. I've had that before where, like, the movie itself is good, but the people in it are just, like, so much you don't want to spend any more time with them. Oh, my God. It it stretched it considerably to the point where I was reaching a breaking point by the end of the movie. And the last 10 minutes of the movie saved it. I mean, like, completely saved it for me. It it was a great ending, one which... um, left me feeling a mix of emotions and i mean i i mean i'm gonna get into it on another uh separate uh podcast review but 
I think it has the potential chance to contend in a couple of different categories. Its best shot is Willem Dafovo, as we all have expected. Yeah, so do you think he could win? Yes, I do. Well, that's good to hear. But I've heard he doesn't have the scene. He doesn't have an Oscar scene. Not particularly, no. Uh, This is more along the lines of... It's one of those things where it's the good enough performance, right time, right film, right place. It's not a pinnacle in his career that will stand the test of time as one of the greatest performances Willem Dafoe ever gave. It's not like that. But it is one of those performances where he is a standout in the film because he's contrasted against all the other characters. Um, While they're all wild and vulgar and obnoxious and loud, he's... um, you know, he's got it together and he's calm and he's uh, good hearted. And so he, he stands out in, in that regard. So I just think that people will take notice. And like I said, it could just be a culmination for a, a career win, if you will. Yeah, I mean, he has two nominations before this and he's certainly put in his time. So it's good. I mean, that category is so fascinating because there's so many people who could easily rise to the top. I mean, if Three Billboards keeps picking up steam, I think there's a world where Rockwell wins, which we'll get more into Three Billboards in this discussion later on. But I, I am very interested to see the Florida Project. It, You know, I, a lot of people I've talked to and seen on Twitter are calling it one of the best of the year and saying it just devastated them. So I think we'll be seeing a lot of that film this season. Yeah, no, it definitely will pop up uh, in a lot of places. Um, I can tell you right now, it is a great companion piece to watch alongside American Honey. Um, It's very, very similar in feel um, in the way that it is uh, edited and uh, just the way he captures the actors and the little tiny uh, detailed moments of interactions that they have. It doesn't necessarily have like a lot of narrative momentum where it's like, well, this scene leads into this scene and it's like very heavy on plot. It's really more of just this interesting look at these people who are on the fringes and are living um, day to day. And it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to watch at times. So um, think of it in those terms. And I think you would have a really good idea of what the film is like. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yep. Um, Okay, so with that out of the way, I do want to address something that's uh, very, very important right now uh, to all of us here at MBP, and that is um, a recent scandal that's been going on in the film Twitter uh, universe. I don't want to get into details about it. I don't want to necessarily uh, talk about it even, to tell you the truth. I just want everyone that's listening to know that it is something that we here at MBP are totally against. Uh, We find it to be morally uh, reprehensible, it's uh, disgusting, and it's something that we do not condone in any way, shape, or form. With that said, uh, we have been lacking a uh, female presence here at NBP, both on the podcast and on the written side of things. And if there's anyone listening right now who would like to throw in their hat and uh, get a chance to, you know, just simply uh, talk with us uh, and see if we can work something out where we can work together and collaborate, um, I would be totally, totally open to it. You can feel free to DM me on Twitter at Next Best Picture, write in, send an email on the website, whatever the case may be. Um, We definitely want to hear uh, female voices out there on the internet. It is very, very important, and it is something that uh, should not in any way be discouraged at all within this industry. Well said. Okay, with that said, You guys ready to talk about last week's poll? 
Yes. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father, after all. (laughs) Yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, You can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not kidding? how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't buy it that. That's just how <laughs> it works. Okay, so last week's poll, we asked everybody which was their favorite Jake Gyllenhaal performance. The results are in, and leading the way with 45.74% of the vote. Any guesses? Nightcrawler. Yeah, I'm thinking Nightcrawler. Although broke oh, back. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> it is definitely Nightcrawler. There's just no way it was not going to be Nightcrawler. It was kind of a done deal. And that's so well-deserved, because he's amazing in that movie. Oh, God, yeah. That should have been... I actually been... put him as my number two on the poll, or I would have picked him, but I... I think I'd give the edge of broke back just a tiny, tiny bit. Mm. But yeah, he's amazing in Nightcrawler. Absolutely deserved. Yeah, he should have gotten that actor nomination. Um, out of curiosity, though, when you look at the five that year, who would you have bumped to put Jake Gyllenhaal in? Uh, Bradley Cooper, yeah. for sure. I, that was a weak lineup. No, I wouldn't say it was a weak lineup. I, I would say they chose the wrong people and thus it became a weak lineup. Yeah, th- there were some great options. Okay, yeah. Uh, they're not bad performances, but of... Of who could have been in there. You you remember David Oliello uh, and Ray Fiennes were both left off as well. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, it drove me crazy. It was a very strong category that year, and I was disappointed by who ultimately was chosen. But like, I mean, I I liked Keaton's nomination a lot. I liked Carell's nomination. You know, those are two very, and and honestly, like, I don't think Cumberbatch necessarily was one of the best five of the year, but that was a strong performance on his end, too. And he was kind of like the default nominee where it was like, you know they're going to go for it. And, he, you know, he there was never a time where people, I think, ever took him out of their predictions, you know, because right. it just... No, and he was good in it. Uh, and honestly, for all the shit he gets, I do think at the very least Redmayne deserved a nomination. Oh, Redmayne's very good. Yeah. I just think it was weird that he got it in the year of all that Birdman's success. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's So I wouldn't call that a weak lineup. It's not yet. a weak lineup. I shouldn't have said that. It's just a weird lineup considering who was left out. Bradley Cooper shouldn't have been there, though. Like, I'm still perplexed how that film suddenly took off with Ampus. We're, we're all in agreement that that was Keaton's year and he should have gotten it, right? Oh, yeah. Of the nominees, yes. But if Yellowo was in the mix, I would give it to him. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, it's it's unbelievable that that performance went by without any, like, it just just went by. You know, I mean, he's so good in Selma. It's ridiculous. Well, I, I love, I don't love, it was painful, but I, I thought it was hilarious. You know, he was so remarkably good that Variety published an article recently where they, um, 
Because he's joining that Chaos Walking film, and they said Oyelo was previously nominated for an Oscar for his work in 2014 Selma. I mean, Variety thought that Oyelowo had gotten nominated. He was so good in that film. Yeah, it, it still perplexes me to this day that that film kind of crashed and burned on the awards circuit. Well, with that said, second place for Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance. Any guesses? Broke back. Yeah. Fourteen point seventy three percent of the vote. It is Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, those are his top two. And then in third place, this is interesting. Third place with seven point seven five percent of the vote. Zodiac. Nope. Prisoners. It is prisoners. Yeah, he's he's very good in that. I remember a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people were pushing for him to get a supporting actor nomination when that came out. That was like the start of his uh, career revival after Prince of Persia. Oh, God. Oh, no. Uh, I would say, actually, it was End of Watch. Yeah. Mm, oh, that's right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. End of Watch. Uh, I totally forgot about that. He's had a very interesting career. Like, he had that little pause in the middle. But then, right with End of Watch and Prisoners, he started to rebound and really show what he's capable of. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even in movies where, you know, they don't entirely land like something like Demolition, you know, he's just consistently phenomenal, I would say, across the board. He gives it his all. I like him a lot in this movie, and it's not a great movie. It's just a charming little rom-com, Love and Other Drugs. Yeah, right? He's just so likable. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that, actually. Love and Other Drugs is a film I've always been meaning to revisit in a sort of way. I find it still very odd. Edward Zwick, just what a weird second half of his career he's had where he just seems like he's all over the place with the different types of genres he wants to tackle. Jack Reacher now? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's just very odd. He's a very odd filmmaker now. And I used to think Edward Zwick was one day going to definitely win an Oscar for like Best Director with the kind of films he well, was putting out. Well, you see him doing like Glory and things like that. Yeah, and up, up through Blood Diamond, you know? I mean, he was... Actually, well, he technically is an Oscar winner already, but you know, because he produced Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, but he was doing, like, you know, large-scale epic filmmaking that, you know... Oh, yeah, Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Yeah, De- even Defiance uh, was another one that uh, was still pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. yeah, Defiance was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, don't, I just don't know what happened to him, but... Going back to Gyllenhaal for a second, there's one movie, I'm looking at his filmography right now, and I don't think anyone would vote for it as his best performance, but I think it's a pretty good movie, and I'm interested what the two of you think. From 2009, Brothers. You know, I never saw that. I heard... He's very... That's another one where he's very likable, he's very reserved, and he creates a very unique character that's different than other ones that he's played before. Obviously, Tobey Maguire's the one who got a lot of the notice for that movie for the more showy role. Right. I'm just thinking the movie itself. It's underrated. The movie itself... eh, The movie itself is fine. It's not uh, a masterpiece. It's not top 10 material, but I, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. Um, there, there's a couple of moments in that that are a little, yeah, a little cringy. I would say at times, but overall, yeah, no, that's not a that's not a bad movie by any means. Uh, it's pretty damn good actually, and it showed the world that Tobey Maguire could do more than just be Spider Man. So, <laughs> um, okay, moving away from that for a minute now, and moving over to this week's poll. This week's poll, in lieu of the release of Battle of the Sexes, we are asking everybody, which is your favorite female-led sports movie? The choices that we have are Bend It Like Beckham, Bring It On, Ice Princess, A League of Their Own, 
Little Giants, Love and Basketball, Million Dollar Baby, The Next Karate Kid, <laughs> She's the Man, and Whip It. Academy Award nominee, The Next Karate Kid, right? <sighs> It's one of those. One, it's like the fourth one got a cinematography nomination. Do you remember that? that? Not this one, but this is the one with Hillary Swank. Oh my god! So, here's the reoccurring theme that I've kind of uh, come up with when looking at these movies. Here, we need more female-led sports movies in cinema. I don't know why we haven't really had uh, a sports movie uh, that focuses on women's sports, like. Like in a very serious sort of way, you know, I, I just, yeah, I'm shocked hearing that list. I just thought we had more. I mean, it's, that's what I thought too. And I was, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to put the list out for people to pick, but at the same time, I kind of want to use it as a call to action for Hollywood to write more stories about this. Oh, what about girl fight with Michelle Rodriguez? I mean, that could be a write-in option. Yeah. So looking at this list, it's interesting because obviously I know a lot of these movies, but as someone who doesn't really pay attention to like a lot of things in the world of sports, I haven't seen a lot of these aside from like Million Dollar Baby. I know I should have seen A League of Their Own, but for some reason I've just never gotten around to it. Same goes for Bended Like Beckham and Bring It On. I'm sure I would like these movies, but it's just hearing them now. It's like, oh yeah, I sort of remember hearing about that one. You really should also see Whip It. Michael, that one's yeah. really good. I feel like I would really like Whip It. It's just one of those things that when it came out, it just sort of flew over my radar. Yeah. I mean, somebody like said to me, like, oh, you're kind of stretching it with Little Giants there. And I'm like, hey, hey Becky, the icebox, you know? I'm like, come on. <laughs> so by default, I would have to say Million Dollar Baby. Plus, I yeah, think it's a I great movie on its own. It's the most widely seen. It'll probably win. I don't know, man. Bed did like Beckham in a league of their own could honestly take it all the way. Those movies have their fans. Yeah, I yeah, particularly League of Their Own. I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna make a prediction right now, and I'll, I'm gonna actually say a League of Their Own probably wins. We'll see. All right, very very cool, very good stuff there all around. You guys want to uh, talk about some fan questions for a minute? Why not? All right. Uh, first fan question comes from myself, <laughs> and it's for you, Michael, and for you, Will. I could not resist the opportunity to ask this question after I saw it uh, take the internet by storm. It was retweeted something like 50,000 times. Everybody was responding to it. I thought it was a really, really funny question to ask, so I'm going to ask you guys. I want you to imagine Pennywise in the gutter in It, and you're outside of the gutter like Georgie is. Looking down, you see Pennywise. My question to both of you is, what would Pennywise have to say to you to get you to go into the gutter? Hillary Clinton's president down here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good. I have a unreleased second season of Firefly. Wow. I, actually, that's pretty tempting, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> M- mine wasn't easiest. Mine was very easy. Mine was, hey, I have Game of Thrones season eight. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Just would have dived right Down in. I go. <laughs> what did I spot? <laughs> he would have, like, held up the Blu-ray. would have been like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> take it. 
Also, I just have to say, Georgie's a fucking idiot. Like, (laughs) you know... He's five years old. (laughs) I just want to put it out there. Like, the Tim Curry, Pennywise, was like, you know, kind of non-threatening and goofy to lure the kids in. He's talking to something that's so obviously evil. Like, he's... It it looks like a demon. He's like, yes, I will reach my arm in there. (laughs) You you know? Like, it's got fangs. It could not look more threatening. It's like in Prometheus. five years old. Yeah. It's five years old. Yeah. That's a chilling scene, by the way. I've, I've rewatched it a couple times, and just the image of... It's not a spoiler, it's the opening scene of the film, but little Georgie getting dragged away, missing an arm into the sewers, just freaks me the fuck out. It's very well done. And then you watch both that and the 1991 side by side, and you see... Like, they're similar, obviously, in the story, but the way that both actors sell it in different ways. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean it's it, Tim Curry goes for Goofy, and then charming the children into it and then pennywise is just i'm essentially a space pedophile like listen to the great variety interview with bill skarsgård and he talks about how he filmed that scene he sort of like drank a seltzer water (laughs) to give himself like a little bit of like a burping effect yeah you know (laughs) yeah no it's really really interesting sometimes it sounds like will mavity i'm I'm playing (laughs) oh all right next next fan question here Matt St. Clair, at FilmGuy619 on Twitter, asks, Name one supporting film character that you feel deserves his or her own spinoff motion picture. Hmm. One character. Uh, I can't remember his name, but the ATF guy from Get Out. <laughs> oh, yeah. he was. So, I would love to see just the shit he went through on a daily basis. Oh, this is a tough question. See, I thought of a couple, like a married couple, but... If you're just thinking of one person, I would take that one out of the running. Hmm. Okay, just for the sake of time, I'm going to say Miranda from The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, God. Yeah, just her lambasting an entire, like, two decades worth of assistance. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds intense. I'd like to see the rise, you know. I'd like to see if she was in the beginning the, you know, the the tepid and uh, timid new, like, person in the industry and what what happened to her to make her like so like rise to the top you know what i mean yeah and even if it's like a sequel to the movie and merle reprises the role i think there's even more that that character and merle could sink her teeth into actually tell you the truth i would cast her daughter oh yeah oh god okay honestly i feel like you should pitch this this is fascinating (laughs) right you do like a devil wears prada prequel but you have the the actual daughter of meryl streep uh play the meryl streep character there is money to be had here, Matt Neglia. I hope someone in the business is listening and gives you an EP credit. Yeah, that would be really cool. I'd take it. <laughs> I mean, even if they were Pennywise in the gutter, I think I'd still take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good question, Matt Sinclair. I really, I really, I really like that one a lot. Uh, this one is from Brett. No, not Brett. Brent. Brent Leone at Faker Brent Leone. Out of these former runner-ups, quote-unquote... Which director will get his first Best Picture win? David Fincher, Richard Linklater, or Damien Chazelle? I also feel like Ang Lee should be included in this, but he's not. But I'm going to just throw Ang Lee in there as well. So out of those four, I would have to go with, and I don't feel entirely confident about this, but out of the four, I'm going to go with Chazelle. Do you think the, uh, uh, the astronaut pick he's doing with Ryan Gosling could go all the way? I don't know if it's that one, but I just feel like 
the way that his career is going right now, Fincher seems to be moving into genre and darker movie territory, like with Gone Girl, things like that, and now this World War Z sequel. Uh, whereas Giselle, you see him... I mean, he came so close last year, obviously. I think what it comes down to is Giselle is young enough. Yeah. You know, like he's got plenty of more opportunities. Linklater is what, 54? And his movies, aside from Boyhood, never really fit that best picture mold. Right. They're always good, but they seldom really land on Apis's radar. But what about, um, and like I said, I know he wasn't part of uh, Brent's original question here. What about Ang Lee, who's literally come uh, close twice now? You could even make an argument for three times with Crouching Tiger. He's so all over the place. Yeah. I mean, he, he he's inconsistent, you know, because he'll have these great films, and then there's always some really mixed ones in between them, and then a great film. And I think it's going to be a while. You know, he had Billy Lynn, which was DOA, and then he has this Gemini man coming, which... You know, it sounds like a looper knockoff and certainly won't bring him towards the Oscars. So I think I think he's in the middle of one of his phases and then it'll be in like eight years when he releases something good. And in that time, someone like Damien Chazelle could have already pulled off the win. Yeah, I think I think Chazelle is the best bet there. I, I agree with you, Michael. He's he's definitely I mean, he just broke 30, right? Yeah, you don't think this guy who's so freaking talented in his fifties maybe is going to make yet another masterpiece, if not already countless others before then? It's, it, I think it's bound to happen. Plus, he's done his two musicals. I guess you could sort of call it Whiplash within that mold. You also have to think too that let's say he wins a second best director uh, and the film also wins best picture. You know, it would be kind of funny if he's older and he's up on stage. And he, like, kind of makes a joke about, like, oh, I've been here before, you know, or whatever, you know. I just think that that is something that's maybe a little too hard to resist. And it is also very much like the Academy to be like, hey, we're really, really sorry uh, about this mess up a couple years ago. And your film was extraordinary. Let's uh, let's do it right this time. You know, I just like the idea of him years later down the line having a film that finally gets announced as the best picture winner. It's like 20, 30 years later, he goes up on the stage and then it turns out it was a fuck up again. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's just like, God damn it. Uh, I would like a I would like a world where his film wins Best Picture, but he doesn't win Best Director, and maybe it's just like the inverse, you know. The Oscar goes to Damien Chazelle. Excuse me, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, did you guys hear that Martin Scorsese's teaching an online film class? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, it's only ninety dollars. I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to do it, actually. Um, very, very tempted. But I tell you, one of the hardest things uh, that's killing me watching um, the video with him is. Marty's starting. Marty's starting to look old. What is he? Seventy-five. Like the eyebrows are turning. The eyebrows are turning white. You can see the skin on his face starting to, to droop down a little bit more and more wrinkles, and looks like the colors like you know out of his face. And it just makes me sad. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I don't want to lose Marty. I, I mean, he's still got plenty of energy, so yeah. I think we'll have him for some time. Still. Speaking of which, um, the Spielberg documentary should be dropping in a couple of days on HBO. That looks so good. Is it eligible for Best Documentary? I don't believe so. I mean, because that would be the whole OJ uh, television rule again, right? 
Well, this is from HBO Docs, and I think they do something where they get them qualified. Yeah, like Going Clear was eligible a few years ago. The Scientology one, that was an HBO doc. I feel like they would find some way to qualify it, but whether or not it gets in is a different question. It's If it's not a multi-part series... It, Michael, any word on if it is a multi-part series? No, it's not. It's a two-and-a-half-hour doc. Wow, two-and-a-half hours is nice. It should totally be eligible then. Okay. How weird would it be if this documentary ended up getting nominated and winning, and in the same night The Post wins Best Picture? Yeah, The Night would just be like a Steven Spielberg circle jerk, which... It would not be unwarranted. I'm, I'm totally okay out. with it. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the greatest directors alive. I, I can't say the greatest, be only because Marty's still alive, and that's that's too tough. Um, that, that, that actually should be a film Twitter question. I might have to put that up there, make people choose, just to see what they would go with. Hey, everyone. I'm Jason. And I'm Lee. And we are the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. We look to take a magnifying glass to the films you love with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. Check out the ASC podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, or keep in the loop on Twitter by following me at film underscore faculty or Lee at Big Pick Reviews. That counts as a promo, right? Right. All right, cool. All right, well, I guess we'll cut here. See you later. <laughs> Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Uh, okay. Gordon Cole at K Bailey Java 2 asks In honor of American Made, do you think that Tom Cruise will ever return to the awards race, or is he destined one day for an honorary Oscar? No, Tom Cruise, when he's in his 60s or 70s, is going to just have the role that he finally wins for. It's going to be one of those, you know, Christopher Plummer type wins situations. I, I can feel it. It's going to be way down the line. He's going to, like, put on the movie star charisma, and it's going to make everyone really nostalgic, and it's going to happen. Yeah, contrary to what some people say, that guy still got it when he wants to turn it on. When he wants to turn it on. Yeah, well, I think as he gets older, he's going to start, you know, honestly, he just broke his ankle on Mission Impossible. That might be the kind of thing that kind of makes him realize, you know, I'm I, I'm mortal, you know, I, I can still do stunts, but I'm in my 50s now. And I, I think there's a chance he kind of leaves the franchise world soon maybe the next five years, and we do see him return back to some meteor parts, maybe ten years. Just as a side note, because you just said about a guy being in his 50s, my parents were watching The Magnificent Seven last night, and when I revealed to them that Denzel Washington was like 61 years old when he made the movie, they were like, no freaking way is he that old. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, mom, he's like 63 now, you know, and they're like, no way, and I'm actually kind of amazed that these guys, you know, I mean, uh, Liam Neeson just announced that he's going to be retiring from the action uh, film genre soon. But you got guys like Stallone and, you know, well into their 60s still doing this thing. I, I I can't help but feel like Tom Cruise will not hang it up now, but he's definitely probably thinking about it and will probably continue to do this sort of stuff at least into his early 60s, I would say. Yeah, it all depends on where he goes. Yeah, I mean, but then the question is, does he do then other projects like Magnolia then for the rest of his career? Um, it's kind of tough to say, you know. I, I don't really know what the world looks like um, for Tom Cruise when he's not doing action movies and he's older in age. Like, what kind of a role? What kind of roles does he take on? Which directors does he want to work with? Which directors want to work with him? You know, it's a very, very interesting question. What if he just got a part in like a Woody Allen movie or something, to something totally different from what he's Woody been doing Allen before? Woody Allen does not fit Tom Cruise's acting style. No, 
I, I would say. Um, I think Tom is more likely to do a Martin Scorsese film or a... I'm just trying to think, like, I'm thinking, like, on the lines of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's, like, very selective about the directors he works with. Um, could you imagine, like, a Clint Eastwood movie starring Tom Cruise? Yes, I actually could. Like an old, like an older, frail Tom Cruise? Not frail, but aging Tom Cruise. Oh, and, yeah, my friend Zach, who listens to this podcast, is going to give me shit about lowballing how long we'll have Tom Cruise doing action. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you, by the way, and say we've got at least ten more years of Tom Cruise doing action. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I could totally see him like a Clint Eastwood... Um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson feels like someone I could see that, for some reason. Too. Yes, I could see him going... Oh, he's already been with them. He did Magnolia. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I could see him going back. Yeah. What about Soderbergh? Yes. Yeah, I could see yes, that for sure. definitely. 100%. Um, okay. Last question. My favorite question. Danny M. at Cinema Paradox asks... <laughs> Is Beauty of the Beast still Michael's number one movie for 2017? <laughs> if so, what else this year could possibly de- uh, dethrone it? Can it fall off of your top ten, Michael? Okay, so I have lots of answers here. First of all, it is not my number one anymore. That belongs to the big sick right now. But Beauty and the Beast God. is uh, up there at number two. God damn it. I think it will stay in the top ten, but by the time all said and done, it'll probably be toured. I would guess maybe around eight or nine at the end of the day. Because I still have to see things like The Post, The Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Meyer with Stories, like all these movies that are going to come late in the year. Yeah, it's true. I'm looking at my uh, top ten myself even, and it's like, wow, like a lot of these are going to drop. And there's no way I could possibly fit everything I want into the top ten. So um, I could easily see things that I've loved early on in the year, like War for the Planet of the Apes and Detroit dropping out very easily. So um, you're right. There's a lot of stuff still coming. Although, once again, as I said earlier, um, I I very much anticipated to love the Florida Project and think it was like even going to make my top 20. And it's not even in my top 20. So, I mean, go figure. Your your preference will will range. That's what happened with me and Jackie last year. I thought Jackie would be toward my number one. And I don't even remember where it fell. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Okay, so that will pretty much do it there for fan questions this week. I want to thank everybody who sent in their questions to us over here on the podcast. Keep sending them in every week. It gives us a lot of great stuff to talk about, and I really, really appreciate it. Keeping up the fan appreciation here for a moment, though, I want to read a review that we received this week on iTunes. You guys ready for this one? Let's hear it. This one comes from Andy Dess, 2012. It is a five-star review. And it is titled, Wow, a great podcast that really helps me know more about movies and TV. Love the Oscar predictions and how Matt can get so defensive at times, LOL. Also, the, all capitals, best Game of Thrones podcast or talk show I've ever heard with so much knowledge and always keeping me entertained. Keep up the great work. And I do have one fan question for Matt and Will about Game of Thrones. Who do you think is the true overall villain of the series? To me, I would say it's Tywin Lannister. After all, he did set in place uh, the events for seasons to come. Andy D. 
I think ultimately it had to be Cersei, right? Everything was building to Cersei, and everything still is building to Cersei. I mean, you could argue the White Walkers, really, but if we're speaking entirely in humans, it, it, Cersei outlasted everyone. I mean, she has to be our yeah. big bad. Cersei is the villain of the whole show, by, by far. We've hated her since season one. We've gotten to know her and understand her a lot more, and there have been times where we've even rooted for her. But yes, she is definitely... The number one person, I think if you poll a lot of people now, they will say, I cannot wait to see that woman go down. So, thank you very much. And uh, anything that gets me to talk about Game of Thrones every now and then is always welcome. So, I really appreciate that. Alrighty, very, very good stuff. Oh, uh, one other thing, actually, I wanted to uh, bring up. I forgot about this one. This was an email that was sent in from Andre Watkins. Uh, This email says, Greetings, guys. I really enjoy the MPP podcast and I listen to it regularly. Your discussion on award season is always entertaining and I enjoy listening to the contrasting opinions of your team. I am a big fan of foreign language films as well and would love to hear a podcast dedicated to your favorite foreign language films and foreign language film directors of the 21st century and of all time. Keep up the great work. Now, Andre... While uh, we're not at a point yet where we're commissioning podcasts yet, I did want to acknowledge your uh, question and your request on air uh, to take a moment to just talk about foreign language films that we have quite particularly enjoyed over the last couple of years. Um, I just wanted to open it up to everyone right now and hear um, if there were any uh, foreign language films in recent memory that you found particularly memorable, had a great impact on you, you thought was maybe one of the best of the year. Let's uh, open up the discussion here. I am obsessed with The Hunt. The Hunt is my favorite film of 2013, and that's saying something because there's some great fucking films in 2013, but I can't think of many films that affected me as viscerally and emotionally as The Hunt. That is a very good movie, and a great performance from Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, oh yes. So... He's so good in that. Oh my god, he is devastating. The only two foreign language films, I believe, if my memory is serving me correctly, that actually made my top ten in their respective years in in recent times uh, were Pan's Labyrinth. Of course. And I'm trying to remember what was the other one. It was... Oh, it was A Prophet. A Prophet's great. Yeah. Yeah, that that film is fascinating. That's so well put together. You know, it's like the night of, only condensed in movie form. Uh, you know, if anyone watched that HBO series. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's different, obviously. But just seeing this person get thrown into the prison system and then having to figure out a way to how to survive and he rises to the to the top within the hierarchy it, it's just so fascinating what a, what a great movie the lives of others you know you mentioned pan's labyrinth 2006 but of course we got to mention the film that beat pan's labyrinth the lives of others definitely made my top 10 that year and also i think ulrich muhi is my win for that year for best actor mm. that that film is so emotional it's and it's it, you know it's a fascinating bit of history too with the stasi um, so the lives of others is one worth considering too. Can we uh, acknowledge just how freaking brilliant and innovative Son of Saul was for a moment? I know it received a little bit of flack because it was like, oh, Oscar bait Holocaust contender. Of course, it's going to sweep the season. But I mean, 
I, I, you guys saw it, right? I was yeah. not very impressed with. I was not a fan. The sound is incredible. Oh, just on a technical level, the cinematography and the sound is unreal how they chose to shoot that movie um i felt like it was trying to show me more on a technical level than really pull me in on an emotional level yeah no i'm with you on the emotional level bit a little bit more because it is such a personal story because the camera is following him throughout and we're seeing everything through um his subjective point of view so i I can understand if like if he if he can't connect with that character um or if the story is not necessarily gripping you as to what that character's plight is um i could fully get that that movie could come off as emotionally cold but just on a technical level though that that movie was oh that was something else i'll tell you my two favorites uh of the last couple years that both ended up pretty high on my top 10 list were uh in 2011 a separation oh yeah that screenplay is oh my god that is so good and i'm sorry to say that the ashgar fahardi movie since I haven't loved as much. Oh, you, you weren't a big fan of The Salesman? I did not like The Salesman. At all? Not very much. Oh, damn. Okay. Like two and a half stars. Ugh. I thought it was sort of messy toward the end, but a Separation is a near-perfect movie, and that screenplay is superb. But I think my favorite foreign film of the last couple of years, it was my number three of 2012, which is Amour. Yes! Yeah, Amour yes. Oh god. That's yeah. such a cool best director nomination too. That is one of the most inspired um pieces of Academy Award nominations that we have had in so long. The, like you said Will just now the director nomination, the best picture nomination, um uh, Emmanuel Riva getting in for best actress. Holy god, that movie is devastating. Amor is an art movie, but it doesn't wear that title on its sleeve. Like Anyone could just see this movie and relate to it on some sort of level. You don't really have to be in the bag for what Hanukkah's doing. Because everyone has been through this experience, I'm sorry to say, of like seeing a loved one die. And the way that he frames it for like two and a half hours, you just understand where these characters are, what's happening. It's so uncomfortable to watch. It's so stressful. Yeah. While at the same time just being straightforward. Just the claustrophobic nature. It's oh. an incredible, incredible movie. Another one that I think... You know, I, I, I honestly could have contended in several categories. Uh, was Waltz with Bashir in 2008. Oh, wow. That film is great. It's it's an interesting story, and it's essentially Ari Fullman essentially invented a new cinematic language. It's an animated foreign language doc. It could have competed in three different categories. Which, shockingly, I've never seen, and it's from Israel. Yeah. Oh, Mike, you, you I mean, you'd like it. It's, it's fascinating. And, like, Max Richter's score in it is so fucking good. Yeah, it is phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's very good. You know what's a really fun foreign language film that uh, a lot of people still have not seen, but it is starting to get a little bit of notoriety? Wild Tales. Oh, Wild Tales is bonkers. It's insane. I love it. I, I, I don't think many things make me laugh as much as the, what's his name, Luis Pasternak? <laughs> bit at the beginning, you know, yeah. like, oh, I was his teacher too. And then, you know, just everyone's on the plane oh it's so fucking funny that's a great movie i took my friend to see that who had never seen a subtitled movie like that in the theater and we were just captivated it's pretty phenomenal overall uh pretty great stuff that's um i mean anything else really Uh, i mean there's there's a lot of stuff that definitely comes to mind i mean denny villeneuve's uh uh french uh foreign language film incendies i got a can i got a chance to catch up on mostly because i just 
I can't get enough of Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> Mustang is a really good movie from 2015. Oh, wasn't that something? That, oh, man, yes, I forgot about that. But I did see that, and I really did enjoy it a lot. That was very, very well done. Broken Circle Breakdown is heartbreaking. Oh, man, that's a devastating one. Yes. Yes. Oh. What about, um? speaking of devastating, anyone, anyone here seem beautiful? Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, God. When he comes back into the warehouse, oh, yeah, that's that's a sad. That's movie. a great performance. I was gonna say, could anyone here make an argument that that is Javier Bardem's best? Uh, I think Anton Sugar's just too iconic. Yeah, iconic, but his best. I think so. Uh, I think so. He that he made a fairly thinly written character, or not thinly written, but you know, there's a character there isn't a lot necessarily on the page to work with. He made him feel completely alive. Inhuman and not just another psychopath. And even the smaller moments in that movie, so like I'm not talking about the gas station, but like when he asks the kid for his shirt. Yeah. Oh, so end. many good scenes. The moments like that are perfect. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's totally fine with me, I suppose. All right. Great stuff overall, there, man. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. I'm really really glad that we got a chance to uh, talk about that a little bit more. So, you guys ready to talk some trailers? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk some trailers. Okay, first trailer up on the dock here. This is Wes Anderson. His latest film. It's also his second animated feature film. Stop motion animation, mind you. And it is called Isle of Dogs. The Japanese archipelago. 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex. You're king. You're duke. You're boss. I'm chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a junior turboprop XJ750 and flew it to the island because of your dog. Darn it. I've got a crush on you. We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog spots. Does anybody know him? No, no. I've lost all of my pride. Spots, if he's alive, may very well be living even at this moment as a captive prisoner. Somebody is up to something. Will you help him? The little pilot. Why should I? Because he's a 12-year-old boy. Dogs love those. We'll find him. Wherever he is, if he's alive, we'll find your dog. It's gonna be a fight! Or somebody spoke his language. North, a 
long rickety causeway over a noxious sludge marsh leading to a radioactive landfill polluted by toxic chemical garbage. That's our destination. Great. Got it. Get ready to jump. Well, that's a Wes Anderson movie. Yep. Yeah, that is the most Wes Anderson looking thing imaginable. <laughs> if they moved it to 2017, I think there's a good chance Wes Anderson would go ahead and win an Oscar. I mean, yes, there's Coco, but otherwise, it is a wasteland for animated film. Yeah, I mean, we're at a point where we're, we're predicting the breadwinner, Ferdinand, uh, what was the one, Mary's... Um, and the witch flower. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's just so obscure. American animation has really uh, failed us this year, I would say. And just look at the cast of this movie. Can we admire that for a second? Uh, I mean, Wes Anderson always has a tremendous cast in all of his films. You have... I'm going to go down the list here quickly. Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Ken Watanabe, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, Courtney B. Vance, Fisher Stevens, Harvey Keitel, Liev Schreiber, Bob Balaban, Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton, F. Murray Abraham, Yoko Ono. <laughs> Yoko Ono is so random in there. Um, the only thing it might run into is I think film Twitter could get a little touchy about Wes Anderson making a film about Japan, particularly since a lot of the cast is white. But aren't they playing dogs? Yes, but I'm, so there are lots of Japanese human characters, and I guess that's where like Watanabe and Yoko Ono come into, but still. I have a little bit of an issue in the sense that I feel like this trailer did not live up to my expectations. Um, I thought on a technical level, like visually looking at it, it didn't really seem to be a better effort than Fantastic Mr. Fox to me on a visual level. Am I the only one alone in thinking that? You're not, because I do think it looks like a very good movie. I love Wes Anderson. And like you say, it looks good. All his movies look good. Yeah. But it might be because we just had Moonrise Kingdom and the Grand Budapest Hotel, which were stellar that it might be hard to go back to that level again. And this might be something on the level of Darjeeling Limited or Life Aquatic, which aren't terrible movies. I know some people think they are. They're just lesser Wes Anderson. Well, wait, are you talking about on a overall sense? Because I'm talking on a visual sense here. Oh, I was talking overall. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking visual. I mean, I, I just feel that the envelope doesn't seem to be pushed so much with this. But I, I would I would argue that if you are a fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox in any way, shape, or form, then you're probably going to like this because this just looks like it's, you know, more of the same. Well, I think this is going to be more adult than Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, okay. I, I can understand that. So it, it might appeal to a lot more people as a result. Okay, that's fair. And all right. Any other thoughts on the trailer? Looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I'm, I can't wait to see it. I wish they would bump it up to December so we could go ahead and get it and get Anderson in the Oscar race. But now it's it looks fun. It's got a March release date, if I recall, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Anybody bold enough to make a prediction that it will last all the way to the end of the year in 2018 for an Oscar nomination? Animated films can do that. I mean, you, you see... That's like the one category where you do see spring and summer releases pop up all the time and still get nominations. So yeah, I think definitely it could. And I know we're not getting a good vibe from these Pixar sequels, but we do have The Incredibles 2 next year. Yeah, mm, That is true. So we'll see what happens with that. Brad, Brad Bird going back to his safe zone. <laughs> oh man, what was that one he did again? The, Tomorrowland. Uh, oh, God. We forget about that. Yeah. Yeah, I... Couldn't even remember the name of it just now. Okay, second trailer up here. Now we're going over to another uh, 
independent filmmaker who's got quite a following as well, and that is Mr. Noah Baumbach. Here he is directing Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller in a film that premiered earlier this year. Um, I'm actually seeing it this week on Wednesday, and it is called The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected. You don't know if this place is a client. That's why we could get a table so last minute. That's why they gave us this bigger table. I imagine they'll send some complimentary stuff, too. $55 for a steak. We're known for their meat here. And $35 for a salmon. You get the salmon to blow you for that price? Are you Harold Meyerowitz's son, Matthew? Yes. Uh, Mrs. Danny, also Harold Meyerowitz's son. I didn't realize he had two sons. And a daughter. Dad, it'll be okay here. It'll be nice to spend time with Dad. No, I didn't get a lot of time with him growing up. Son of a bitch! They uh, take all of the little birds and deep fry them and just... It's very sad. There are no little birds left in Italy anymore. They've eaten them all. You are going to meet a lot of interesting new people. I didn't make it a month at college because I like drugs so much. We're Harold Meyerowitz. You're on the list for the public viewing. Right now, this is a private viewing. Hello, it's a mistake. Hello, this is bullshit. Dad, she hears everything you're saying. Won't you tell me where have all the good times gone? Where have all the good times gone? I don't think I've ever seen Gene run. Yeah, that's how she runs. What's going on? Why are we running? Run, run. Maureen? Ow! You kicked me in the shin! Ow! Do you want to say it matter, should I? Uh, yeah, I'll say it, sure. Jewish. Well, you're close. I was going to say a Schwartz movie. <laughs> well, that's what I was implying. <laughs> oh, that, that, I was that trying to, like, I, almost comes across as anti-Semitic, right? right? Michael, where are we with that? The movie's called The Meyerowitz Stories. I don't think that's a stretch. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, here's the thing, though. I'm not saying that because it looks like it's a Schwartz film that I'm automatically deemed to hate it, actually. Uh, I'm quite... Looking forward to this after uh, seeing this trailer now and getting a little bit more of what the film is about, a taste of the performances. I think that the work on display here from Hoffman is quite intriguing, to say the least. So much so that I moved him into my predictions for Best Supporting Actor now. He hasn't been nominated in 20 years. Wag the Dog was his last nomination. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I guess he, he has been stuck in these bit parts, you know, for a while now. But I, I have him in for nomination, too. I hope so, because he's just one of the best. He's going to pop up. He's going to get a SAG nom. He's not going to necessarily show up in the critic circle. He's going to be that guy who gets a SAG nom and then just hits all the major ones and just stick around throughout the season. I'm pretty confident in that. So can I make a confession here on the podcast? Confession time. Ooh, I love confession time. A lot of you will not see this coming for me, but it is the God's honest truth. Tell me your sins, Michael. I'm actually somewhat of an Adam Sandler fan. 
<laughs> oh, oh God! Oh, not his stupid, um, stupid movies like what he's been stuck. Oh, in okay. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we yeah, can agree like on this. Yeah, love and uh, Rain Over yeah. Me Even is good. Things like, of course, another Jewish movie. I like Eight Crazy Nights because it's like the one Hanukkah movie that we have. Eight Crazy Nights is hysterical. I don't care what anybody says. But when he's like really on, just like I was saying about Tom Cruise, the guy has it. It's just a matter of when he brings it. Yeah, a lot of people have been wondering for a while now why he is so content to just put out this pile of steaming garbage consistently, and it's it's a money thing. I mean, he's a funny guy just, when he wants to be. I he hasn't been funny in a long time. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's been about twenty years since he really made me laugh. But then you see him do something like Punch Drunk Love or Funny People, even that terrible movie Men, Women, and Children. He's not bad in that. No, those are all movies where he is good, and we do get like the glimmer of hope that Sandler can turn the career around. Um, I would say, based upon what I'm seeing in this trailer here, this looks like it's definitely one of his most uh, reserved performances to go along with those other films, for sure. And that's what we had heard out of Ken. Yes, uh, we have heard that he is absolutely stellar. Ben Stiller is in pure Noah Baumbach mode, um, as he was in another film I, I saw um, earlier called uh, Brad Status. I'm seeing that today. Oh, you're seeing it today? Yes. Oh, I think I think you'll like it, Michael. Um, I didn't like it, but I think you will. <laughs> Uh, but this film overall definitely gave me some really great vibes. I was very much, um, I was very much hesitant a little bit just because, you know, Adam Sandler, uh, Noah Baumbach is not necessarily my favorite director, although I really love his writing. Um, but then after watching this trailer, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this now. Did you guys know that Sandler's, uh, Spanglish showed up a fair amount on the awards circuit back in oh, the day? Oh, yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Got a Cloris Leachman got a SAG nomination yeah. for it. It got a Golden Globe nomination. Uh, you know, showed up a couple of the regional critics. It's kind of random. Well, that was when James L. Brooks was still like at his height. It was before. How do you know? <laughs> yes, which he hasn't recovered from. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need Jack Nicholson to stay alive to give us the Tony Erdman remake so that he can end his career on a good note. <laughs> I need it so bad. Is that currently his last film? Because that's brutal. Yeah. It's also the last James L. Brooks movie we've had, which is very sad. That cost $100 million. Can you believe that? I want to remind you, too, Will, that Gene Hackman's last movie is Welcome to Mooseport. It's Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> yeah. I like to picture, um, I think he said in interviews, there was a scene that had a stunt with him just positioned with somebody's testicles dangling over his face, and he just had an epiphany, you know, that he no longer wanted to do this. Like, it's just such a funny image to me. It's like crotchety old Gene Hackman is getting teabagged and just like, nope, nope, you know, and just uh, decides he's done. And like, is Sean, is Sean Connery's last movie... Actually, that's... Th there's an interesting poll or something to be had here. Like, which is the most disappointing last film for great actor sean connery what is it? league of extraordinary gentlemen yeah. is his last one that was like 16 years ago wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah it, it single-handedly make made him retire he hated it so Ugh. much that's a shame because both of those guys i don't think they're in the best of health right now so it's not like we're gonna see a big comeback jack on the other hand you still see him around he just doesn't pick the parts 
Well, no, didn't Jack Nicholson say he has early onset Alzheimer's? I didn't hear that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I thought it was had... an eyesight thing for a while, but I heard that was uh, proven to be false. I thought he he had some sort of early onset dementia situation that he said made it very hard for him to even get up in the morning. I, I read something about that. We can confirm that off the air later. It, it amazes me when I then see, I mean, because I'm thinking earlier to this year, uh, going in style or going out in style, whatever it was called, with Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin, and Michael Caine. And those three guys are still very, you know, very loose and, you know, full of energy and are still, like, hitting the, the circuits for the talk shows and everything. And those guys are all, they're all up there. So... I mean, I guess it. I guess it all depends on how well you take care of your body through the years, and Lord knows we know Jack has uh, done things to his body over the years. <laughs> so, alrighty, uh, moving away off of that, let's move on over to our third and final trailer here. This is the much anticipated reboot of the Tomb Raider fan- franchise, uh, and this is also starring Alicia, 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 Alicia. Wow. I, Alicia, not Alicia, Alicia. Damn, I can't get this woman's name right. She's she is she is fantastic. Uh, Oscar winner Alicia Vikander. What's your name? Laura. Surname? Croft. Laura, your father's gone. You can pick up where he left off. I see so much of him in you. Brilliant. Hello, Sprout. If you're listening to this, then I must be dead. I found something, a tomb called the Mother of Death. If Trinity succeeds, our world is in danger. Promise me you will stop them. I promise. I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It'll be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. You shouldn't have come here. But I'm glad that you did. See the likeness, the recklessness. Close the tomb once and for all. The fate of humanity is now in your hands. (gasps) Can't be too careful these days. The world has gone bloody mad. I'll take two. Okay, so it's got that March release date, uh, same as something like Kong Skull Island, and that is the level of quality that I am expecting from something like this. Yeah, this looks super generic. It doesn't look like a good movie, but another little podcast confession, I have a little crush on Alicia Vikander. Ah. You and everybody else get in line. Bro. Yeah, I'd say I think most people do. I, I, I'm imagining me like literally taking my hands and separating both your heads, being like, "Step aside, boys." <laughs> <laughs> 
We should have her as a guest on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would be able to conduct that interview. Her voice. <laughs> but she she's also ridiculously talented, too. I mean, I saw Tulip Fever and she still brought it, you know, which is unbelievable to me that I don't think I've seen her quote unquote phone it in quite yet in anything. Even something like Jason Bourne, which is admittedly not a really great movie. Uh, she's still fantastic to watch in that. Yeah, she's all. She's always good. I wish she wasn't getting bogged down in a franchise like this. Um, I'm sure she'll make some money, but also, Tomb Raider was at its popularity 15 years ago. Like, I, are they still releasing games? I feel yeah. like this is a property that the, the isn't games necessarily... got rebooted and they were very, very successful. They got really fantastic reviews. I know this because I own both of them and I've played them. And so there's a lot of moments in the trailer that are actually pulled directly from the games in terms of how she moves, the acrobatic stunt work. It's very, very heavily influenced by the game to the point where um, one may argue that this could be a quote-unquote video game movie. Yeah, I mean, and I, I will admit, when I was six years old, I saw the first one in theaters, and it, it made a big impression on I me. Mean, I thought it was fucking awesome. Guys, guys, James Bond is in that movie, and Jorah Mormont is in that movie. I know, it's so weird that the sheer number of actors who showed up in those went on to big things later on. Yeah, it's... I, I enjoyed that. I might go see this one as a guilty pleasure. I might have to rewatch the Angelina Jolie one as a guilty pleasure just to revisit it, you know? Who is that character actor that is her uh that is her like tech guy in the movie? He's like in he's like in everything. Um Oh jeez, who's that actor? It's killing me now. I need to know. Hold on. I'm gonna find out. I've right never seen one. them. Oh no no no, you definitely have, believe me. He's in a lot, a lot of stuff. No, I mean, I've never seen the movies. Oh, oh, well, I'm not surprised by that either. Uh, uh, okay, let's see here. The movie came out in what? What year did this movie come out? Uh, Noah Taylor, right? Yeah, that, that's who it is. Noah Taylor. Yeah, he was in Thrones and there stuff. There you go. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was Locke in Game of Thrones. He's the one. He was also in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, no, he's uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, he's a character actor who um, pops up in a lot of things here and there. I've seen him in I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He was in Free Fire most recently. Oh yeah, yeah, he was, mm-hmm. and he uh, he almost got nominated for an Oscar for Shine. He got the SAG and a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, that 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 should be uh, that should be a homework assignment this week. Rewatch the 2001 version of Tomb Raider and see how much you hate it now versus when your 13 year old self loved it. <laughs> Uh, okay, that'll just about do it there for trailers this week. Will Mavity, what do you have for news? So this wasn't a tremendously busy news week. Um, we should mention that last week we weren't sure what was going to win the Toronto Film Festival Audience Award, and I stopped the show to say, oh, we forgot about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I think that maybe that could do it. And then we moved on. And lo and behold, over films like Call Me By Your Name and The Shape of Water that people thought were more likely to win, three billboards took it. Eight of the last ten Toronto Audience Award winners have been Best Picture nominees, as well as Director nominees. Um, This is a film that apparently plays very well to a crowd, and its reviews just continue to be better and better. 
after that happened, I and many others moved the film into the Best Picture nomination predictions. You know, I, I bumped it up in my screenplay predictions. I, I don't think it's going to win anything, necess- although maybe McDormand or Rockwell could pull it off, but I think it's absolutely going to contend, and I'm, I'm so happy to see Martin McDonough on the Oscar circuit, because In Bruges is one of my favorite films, and it still breaks my heart that neither Farrell nor uh, Fines nor Gleason were nominated for that. And honestly, I wish it had gotten Best Picture and Best Score nominations, too. Yes, yeah, score in that film is pretty pretty damn great by uh, Carter Burwell. Who's, you know, contending both for Three Billboards and Wonderstruck this year. Uh, although, Martin McDonough, we forget, is already an Academy Award winner. Yeah, short. For Best Original Show. So, he's, he's Academy Award winning director Martin McDonough already. So, that is, you know, that's something I'm very excited about. Get, seeing that film really, you know exceed expectations i thought it'd be good i didn't think it'd be an awards contender though yeah i thought it would be like mcdormand and rockwell possibly screenplay and that's all but now i think we really have to consider this as a top tier contender i still do not have it in best picture but you at least consider that it's in the running oh yeah absolutely i just i can't bump anything out right now um is my issue i have it in actress supporting actor and screenplay before tiff i had had it all the way down at like 23 or something like that and now that we see that it has all these fans and that the reviews are very good, I've moved it up to uh, play with the big boys, if you will. 23 seems rather low. <laughs> I'm actually kind of curious. Did you have Beauty and the Beast ranked higher? Tell me the truth, Michael. Beauty and the Beast wasn't even on the list. You'll be happy to know. Oh, okay. Right, okay, right, thank right, God. Right. That's at the Globes. God damn it. So... Other news, Tom Hanks, I guess Swedish remakes are all the the rage right now, because a few weeks ago we heard Will Ferrell is remaking the 100-year-old man who climbed out the window and disappeared. Uh, Now we have another surprise Best Makeup nominee, The Man Called Oof, that also was a foreign film nominee last year, that Tom Hanks will produce and star in, so... You know, how weird would it be if both that and 100-year-old man, both of which were makeup nominees also get nominated for makeup next year and so two of the three makeup nominees are remakes of swedish films that were also nominated for best you know and then they lose to suicide squad too Ah! oh my god that that's that's bizarre um taika waititi it's weird because i heard jeff snyder talking about recently that apparently he was uh done with like the studio system and wanted to get back to indie film so it was a bit surprising to hear that he's boarding Warner Brothers Akira live action remake. I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, you know, I I like it when he gets to do more creatively free things, but you know, uh, what some have pointed out is he's someone who will probably push hard to have that cast not be whitewashed. So that's cool. You know, cuz he's he's of uh he he's of Maori descent, I think. So he'll probably, you know, I think he's he's very open to having Pacific Islanders and other uh diverse cast members. So that's cool. I just need to see Thor Ragnarok uh, first. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. M- far more than I normally would a Marvel film. So next we have Matt Damon is going to be playing John R. Brinkley, a famous con artist in the film called Charlatan. Um, 
this is about a man who promised to cure impotence by sewing goat testicles into other men. What is up with Matt Damon in these bizarre roles with these high concept movies lately? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's getting shrunk down and then there's sewing goat balls into someone. Like that is one of the more odd career directions I've heard in some time. Is, is this yet another Coen Brothers script? Somebody tell me. <laughs> no. no you, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, we have Elizabeth Moss is joining Call Jane, which is a, about a group of, uh, it's pre Roe v. Wade about a group that does like backroom abortions. And, um, you know, Elizabeth Moss is very vocal since The Handmaid's Tale about women's rights. So, you know, that's always a timely topic. And this is a film that potentially, if handled well, could bring her to the Oscars now that she's won her Emmy. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I, I would love to see Academy Award nominee or even Academy Award winner Elizabeth Moss. I'm glad she's finally Emmy winner. Kobe Bryant is going to be contending for an animated short he's working on with John Williams this year. So he'll be in the best animated short film race, which is, yeah, as, as Michael Short's all excited, Kobe Bryant's from Philly. Yes, he is. Lower Marion High School. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, that, I mean, that'd be, that'd be fun. I would love Academy Award winner Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know, I, although I want to see Academy Award winner Shaq. Did I ever tell you guys that I peed next to Shaq once? <laughs> huh? Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah, no, it's, I, 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 this is a great story. I, I walked into a bathroom and uh, this, this huge dude comes up to me at the urinal next to me. I, I'm definitely, let's say, feeling a little bit inadequate at this time. And I don't really notice anything. And there's this dude standing in the back corner just staring at us both pissing. I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Why are you watching me urinate? <laughs> of course, it has to be not about, you know, it's got to be about me and not the, the hulking, like, seven-footer next to me. So he leaves, and the guy uh, who's been staring at us just looks at me. He's like, God damn, he's huge. I was like, who? He's like, Shaq. I was like, yes, Shaq, Shaq is a tall guy. What does that have to do with this situation? Like, you just pissed next to Shaq. I was like, I did. oh, fuck. And then the, I, I saw his face and didn't make the connection either. Walk outside, he's mobbed by paparazzi. So yes, I peed next to Shaq. Courtesy of being Atlanta. Uh, moving on. Victoria and Abdul's production designer maybe should factor into your contenders. The film had the biggest uh, per theater average of any release this weekend, which given you know, all the films out this week. I might have that wrong. It did very well this weekend, but its production designer just passed away. That didn't get a lot of fanfare, but he worked on all the Stephen Freer films and Best Exotic Marigold to Tell and Sing Street. Very talented guy, passed away far too young, and this is his final film. So maybe that helps him get a production design nomination. I think the film is more likely to contend in costumes than production design, unfortunately. Yeah, that, and I think it will get a costume nomination. That's the type of film that always shows up in that category. Um, you Were Never Really Here is officially moved to 2018, so you can all take Joaquin Phoenix out of your predictions. Uh, there was also a little bit of movement also in screenplay, from what I heard. Isn't that true, Michael? Oh, oh, yes. So I had heard a rumor a few weeks ago that Darkest Hour was going to be campaigned in adapted screenplay, and from what I'm understanding now, that was... Uh, a false alarm. It is original. I told you. For the time being, unless something drastically changes, you never know what happens with these campaigns. But I think it's time to just keep it in original until we hear otherwise. Yeah. And uh, also, too, talking about category movement as well, 
Um, I know, Michael, you and I went back and forth on Last Flag Flying if Carell or Brian Cranston was going lead. We have heard that Brian Cranston is supposedly going lead as well. Um, but yet that hasn't been officially confirmed. Apparently they're still – maybe they're campaigning both lead, both supporting. It's still up in the air. Um, we haven't gotten the official word, but I am seeing that film this week. So I will have my own perception and my own idea of it, uh, and I will get back to you guys right away uh, whether or not I believe uh, one of them should be campaigned one way or the other. I can tell you right now, after seeing Battle of the Sexes, that's not uh, a nomination play for Carell, even if he was going supporting. Uh, that would not happen. So this is his best bet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and then finally, this is interesting. Remember Mel Gibson signed on to The Professor and the Madman? which is a pretty acclaimed book about the founding of the Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah, Um, yeah, so that has been in a lot of legal battles right now, and currently the director sued to try to have the film seized and destroyed because he said the studio locked him out and took it over, and a judge just dismissed that. But it's going to be a little while before we see that film because it is just mired in lawsuits. And I think the production company sued him back for defamation and all kinds of stuff. Like, it's... That was a film I was looking forward to and, you know, seemed like a good follow-up. Gibson's producing and starring. He's not directing, I should add. Um, but that's, you know, it seemed like a interesting thing for him to follow up his comeback last year with. And it now looks like it's going to be a while before we see that film. So that is it as far as film news for this week. All right. Very good. Anything else that anybody wants to talk about before we head out? I think that covers it. It was sort of a slower week compared to all the festival news we had before. Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you on that for sure. Uh, Next week, like I was saying before, uh, I will know a little bit more about Last Flag Flying by that point. And uh, I will have seen Meyerwood stories as well. So hopefully uh, we can get a couple of different things cleared up there. Uh, there's also a lot of other stuff on the horizon. Uh, this weekend, we're going to see the uh, wide expansion of Battle of the Sexes, as well as the release of American Made with Tom Cruise, uh, which still remarkably is holding up pretty well in the uh, reviews department. I noticed that it was in the 80s last I checked. So that's actually looking kind of promising, all things considered seeing as how uh, Kingsman The Golden Circle did not do as well with its reviews uh, this week. so Plus, we might be getting a trailer for The Post this week. <gasps> I would love nothing more than to see a trailer for The Post. Oh, I just want to know. I want to know. I need to see something. Because everybody, literally, guys, everybody is constantly... I, I must get at least five messages uh, over the course of a day or so from people saying how we're prematurely predicting the post in all of our predictions. And I'm like, Streep, Hanks, Spielberg, how do you not think this is going to be amazing? Subject matter. Right. So to all those people who think that we're absolutely insane for ranking it higher than things like Call Me By Your Name, Shape of Water, so on and so forth, um, on paper, on paper, this is the winner. So... We'll see that trailer. Hopefully, we'll get a couple other things cleared up, and we'll have a rough idea a little bit more so. Obviously, nobody knows anything until the actual films are seen, and even then, nobody really knows anything. So, Michael Schwartz, where can they find you on the internet? As always, you can find me on Twitter at MikeMovie. 
Will Mavity. You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 57 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also CastBox. Thank you so much once again for listening. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We'll gladly read the review out loud here. And we will see you all next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.